0: Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Victory Baptist Church in Hope Mills, North Carolina. I pray that God uses this message to help you worship God, strengthen your relationship, and glorify Him. Without further ado, here is this week's message. We are continuing our sermon series uh, through the book of Luke. We are calling this An Unexpected King. Um, Typically, what we do for our sermon series is um, we'll pick a book of the Bible and walk our way through that book, trying to keep everything in context uh, we know that the context of a scripture is extremely important in really understanding what it means and what it's saying to us. Um, we also know that um, the Bible has to mean what the Bible means. And that means that the, the meaning of the Bible does not change from year to year or generation to generation. The Bible means the same thing that it has always meant. And so when we're talking about the context of the Bible, we're not just talking about what uh, what's happening around there in the scripture but also what was happening historically and culturally. We're trying to get all of that context in there. And the easiest way to do that, and the easiest way to understand what the Scripture is actually saying, is to be able to walk through passage by passage and staying in that context. Um, This morning we are in Luke chapter 12, and it's verses 41 through 48. And this is Keep Your Lamps Burning, part two. Now, speaking of context, this is just a carryover or a, a, a continuation of last week's sermon which honestly was kind of a continuation from the week before. It all rolls together. And the next week is going to be Keep Your Lamps Burning Part 3, uh, which is kind of part four of this little mini-series. Um, but the main idea here is to be prepared for Jesus' return. Um, be prepared for Jesus' return. And so for our divisions here this morning, um, we have just us, or sorry, just for us, two servants, and two punishments. So I'm going to pray and we'll get into this text. Heavenly Father, We thank you for your word. We thank you for preserving your word for us through the years so that we can know you through your word. Lord, as we open up your word today, help us to to make it, uh, uh, help us to apply it to our lives so that we can reflect your glory to those around us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we're going to go ahead and start right here in uh, verse 39. It says, "Understand this." Sorry, Jesus says, "Understand this." If a homeowner knew exactly when a burglar was coming, he would not permit his house to be broken into. You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Now, if you're paying attention, you recognize that those were the last two uh, verses from last week. We already talked about this. Uh, So like I said, this is just a continuation of last week's. So I kept these two verses in here as uh, just to to help us to solidify that context of what's going on and what Jesus had been talking about. Um, It's also a good jumping off point here for Peter's question. We'll get to in just a minute. So last week we read Jesus' warning to his disciples that they must always be ready for his return. It seems a little odd that Jesus would be giving this warning now in the book of Luke We're only halfway through the book of Luke, and Jesus is warning his disciples that they must be ready for his return. We still have a lot of the book of Luke to get through before Jesus is crucified and resurrected and ascends into heaven. We still have a lot to get through before then in the book of Luke. However, most scholars think that the last half of the book of Luke uh, covers a time span of less than a year. So chapter, uh, chapter 12 through the end of Luke is less than a year's worth of time. They're already making their way toward Jerusalem, that final trek toward Jerusalem. And it's during that time that Jesus is giving these teachings. And so it seems like a long time for us, but for the disciples, it wouldn't have been that long. Not to mention, Jesus had already been warning them that he was going to suffer and die for us. Jesus had been warning them that he was going to be crucified. They didn't get it, though. They didn't quite understand what was going on. And so to continue on with that warning, Jesus is saying, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going to die, I'm leaving you. Right? That leaving is him, being, his, him ascending into heaven. But he's saying, I'm coming back. And in that time between the ascension and his return, he tells his disciples they must be prepared. They must be ready. See, they didn't put two and two together. He's going to die for our sins, and he would later return to establish his kingdom. It seems like they were ready to inaugurate Jesus as the king of Israel right then and there. They misunderstood the Messiah. Throughout the Old Testament, the Messiah had been prophesied. The Israelites and the Jews, they, they, knew that Je- well, they knew that the Messiah was coming. Most of them, though, did not recognize that Jesus was that Messiah that they were looking for. Or if they did, they misunderstood what the Messiah was going to do. In the Old Testament, it prophesied that the Messiah is going to come and He is going to establish a perfect eternal kingdom. Well, the problem with humans and a perfect kingdom is that if there's a perfect kingdom, we can't be there because we're not perfect. And so if Jesus is going to establish a perfect kingdom, he has to make a way for us to be there. So the, his first coming was to make a way for us to be there. He came and he lived the perfect life that we can't. And he died on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. He came that first time as a sacrificial lamb to pay for our sins. He came that first time as the suffering servant to take our punishment for us. But when he returns, he's not coming as a suffering servant. When he returns, he's not coming as a sacrificial lamb. When he returns, he's going to return in power and authority as the rightful king of all eternity. When we place our faith in him, like I said, he came and he took the penalty for our sins. When we place our faith in that sacrifice, He declares us to be righteous. All our sins washed away. And then through that faith, then we can be welcomed into that perfect eternal kingdom. Now, we start living as citizens of that kingdom now, even as we are residents of earth here. We're residents of earth, but through faith, we are citizens of the kingdom of God. See, he ascended into heaven to to finalize preparations for his kingdom, and then he's going to return uh, so that those who have placed their faith in him can live with him forever. Last week, we read a warning from Jesus that we are to be prepared for that return because we don't know when it's going to be. Since we don't know, we should always be prepared. And that's where we pick up this week. In verse 41, Peter asks, Lord, is that illustration just for us or for everyone? Now, I think Peter's question is understandable. See, Jesus was there, and there was a big crowd there. If you read at the beginning of this chapter, there's a big crowd there. And then a man asks Jesus to, to differentiate or, or to, to uh, rule on some legal aspect that he was arguing over his brother about how they were to divide their father's estate. And Jesus says, we should not be worried about that stuff. He's not telling us to ignore our earthly obligations, but our main concern should be on his return and being prepared for his return. In that conversation, at some point in that conversation, it says that he turned to his disciples. So there's a big crowd there. And then Jesus takes that conversation and turns to his disciples for a little side conversation just with them. And that's when Peter says, is this just for us or is it for everyone? So I think it's it's understandable that this question is there. And so we keep reading to find Jesus' answer it says and the lord replied a faithful sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing his other household servants and feeding them if the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job there will be a reward i tell you the truth the master will put that servant in charge of all that he owns so first we're going to look here at verse 42 to really understand this passage we have to we have to recognize something like i was talking about historical and cultural context in the, the first century Roman Empire, it was common for, um, if you were a, a wealthy homeowner, it was common for you to have several um, household servants or household slaves. And there was one household servant who was above the rest of them. He was kind of the, the supervisor. And that was, um, the title for that person was the, um, the word's leaving me right now, uh, the steward. So there was, it was the steward of the house. And when the master left, The steward was in charge of of everything to keep the household running. When the the homeowner left, the steward became kind of like the CFO or the CEO. He was kind of in charge of everything that was going on. He was the supervisor. Jesus says that he should be able to trust his servants, the stewards, to care for others, managing the household servants and feeding them. Now, even though Peter asked for clarification... Is this for us or is it for everyone? Even though Peter asked for clarification, this is Jesus' answer, scholars still debate on what this, or the actual application of this passage. There are some who argue that this parable is just for church leadership, which kind of makes sense. But I think it's a better understanding in, in, is that this lesson in this parable that Jesus gives is for all of his disciples for all time. It is for anybody who is ministering to their community, which should be all of us. Throughout Scripture, in the Old Testament and the New, God calls His people to be His representation to the lost. In the Old Testament, the Hebrews were given revelation from God, but they weren't supposed to keep that to themselves. They were supposed to use that revelation, use God's law to display God's character and God's goodness to the people around them. In the New Testament, God's revelation is deeper. God gives us greater revelation of himself because God himself came and lived among us and he taught directly to the people. We have his words. God's revelation is more clear now. And so the church, those people who call themselves Christians are still called to take that revelation from God and apply it to our lives and share it with those around us. So if that's what we're called to do, Jesus says a faithful, faithful, sensible servant is one to whom the master can give the responsibility of managing the other household servants and feeding them. We're talking about sharing God's word and sharing his love with others, revealing God's truth to others. All of us have the responsibility to serve those around us by sharing the gospel with them, feeding them the bread of life and also caring for their physical needs. Since we all have that responsibility, It seems that this parable is for all of us. We all are to be ready for the time when Jesus returns because He will come when least expected. Then verses 43 and 44 says, If the master returns and finds that the servant has done a good job, there will be a reward. I tell you the truth, the master will put that servant in charge of everything he owns. Now in last week's text, Jesus said that when the master returns and finds the servant ready, that the master will seat the servant, and the master will serve the servant. The master will give the servant a meal. Now that is a a radical change or a radical departure of what we would expect for the master to return. Remember, Jesus is that unexpected king. We saw that last week, but then this week it goes even further. Not only is the master going to serve the servant, not only is the master going to feed the servant, but it says that the master will put the servant in charge of all that he owns. Now we read in Revelation five ten, This is a song. The, the people in heaven are singing this song about Jesus. And it says, You have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God. Well, there's that revelation of God through us to the people around us. All right, so you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. There are other passages in the Bible that bring this same message. But those who Jesus finds faithful when he returns will reign with him in eternity, we will be put in charge of all that Jesus owns to rule alongside him in the new heaven and new earth. Sounds crazy, but it's really just the realization of the command that Adam and Eve were given in Genesis 1. God told Adam and Eve to reign over the earth, to rule over the earth and the the animals in the earth, to steward the earth for him. So here in Revelation, we just see the fulfillment of that. When Jesus finds us faithful, when he returns, we would be put in charge of all that he owns. But not all is rosy. Not everything here is is wonderful and beautiful. Well, it is wonderful and beautiful because it's the word of God. But not everything here is easy to listen to or easy to hear. We continue reading verse 45. It says, but what if the servant thinks my master won't be back for a while? And he begins beating the other servants, partying and getting drunk the master will return unannounced and unexpected and he will cut the servant in pieces and banish him with the unfaithful now 43 and 44 were an expansion of something that was already covered but in last week's text Jesus didn't say anything about finding the unfaithful servants there's a lot that could be said about these behaviors could be a whole sermon in and of itself but i'm just going to summarize it with some overarching themes here okay so talking about beating the other servants this is when the believer is not caring for the for those around them. He's not serving their needs, either spiritually or physically. Instead, the believer is using his faith in ways that tear others down instead of building them up. The so-called believer is, is using religion as a form of abuse to the community around them. He's beating the other servants. I think... The Pharisees give us a great example of this in the New Testament. And I think if we look around, we can find believers doing the same thing today or so-called believers. Now, the next one is partying, okay? Partying in and of itself is not bad. Throughout scripture, God commands his people to celebrate regularly. He commands regular celebrations called holy days. We've changed that now to holidays. Jesus did not shy away from a party in the New Testament. The problem is when it distracts from our responsibilities. This is when the disobedient disciple lets her own comforts or desires get in the way of carrying out the Great Commission. We look at many of the Old Testament kings as examples of this. They let their own comforts get in the way and distract them from doing what they were supposed to do. Again, I think if we look in the modern day church, we can find plenty of examples of this. Then the last behavior Jesus lists is getting drunk. Now, I'm not a teetotaler. I do not think that Christians must completely abstain from alcohol. However, drinking alcohol can be sinful and should be approached with caution, all right? Here it talks about getting drunk. He doesn't say drinking alcohol. He talks about getting drunk. Obviously, drunkenness is a sin. We should never allow any substance to control us or limit our control of ourselves. Scripture teaches that we should not be dependent on anything other than God. So addiction is sinful. So this obviously applies to many, many numerous different types of drugs that are available today. But I also think that we can apply this same thing to any pursuit that we chase other than God. We would call those idols. When those idols take the the precedence of our desires, when those idols take the precedence of our our, 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 our actions, that's, that's a huge, huge problem. And I think that's, we could say this uh, is getting drunk here. So those Christians who practice these behaviors will be punished severely. Notice I put that one in quotes there. Those Christians who practice those behaviors will be punished severely. It says, the master will return unannounced and unexpected, and he will cut the servant in pieces and banish him with the unfaithful. Given the punishment that Jesus lists here, I think it's safe to say that these so-called believers aren't actually believers at all. They will go to hell. They are not real Christians. They do not have saving faith. Amen. We must be careful not to fall into these categories. We must also be careful not to think that these people lost their salvation because they're not working. Right? We cannot work to earn our salvation Therefore, not working can't cause us to lose our salvation. Instead, it's more of these people never actually had salvation to begin with, as evidenced by their lack of works. Let me give you an example. I'll be honest, I got this example from um, J.D. Greer, who's the pastor of Summit Church. Um, And I had shared this with the youth on Tuesday night, Victory Teens. This chair, I have faith that this chair will hold my weight. I look at the chair, it looks sturdy, looks like a good chair. I have faith that the structure of this chair can support my weight. I can sit down in this chair and I'll be fine. I can talk about the chair all I want to. I can talk about having faith in the chair all I want to, but have I actually placed my faith in the chair? No, I'm still standing next to it. How can I evidence that I put my faith in the chair? sitting in the chair. You all have put have put your faith in the chair that you're sitting in. And I can see that by your actions. The same is true for us. We claim to be a Christian, there should be evidence of that in our lives. Jesus says that we trust in him and we surrender to him. Our salvation comes through faith, but that faith should lead to a life change. There should be evidence of that salvation. Just like there should be evidence, if I say I place my faith in that chair, I can talk about it all I want to. But until I actually do it, I haven't actually placed my faith in the chair. Jesus says that He is our Savior and our Lord. It's not one or the other. You can't be saved without the Lordship of Jesus. So that salvation, by faith, is evidenced by the Lordship in our lives. Now this warning right here, it's a pretty intense warning from Jesus. But if we keep reading, we see that not everybody gets the same punishment. Starting in verse 47, it says, and a, master, I'm sorry, and a servant who knows what the master wants, but isn't prepared, and doesn't carry out those instructions, will be severely punished. But someone who does not know, and then does something wrong, will be punished only lightly. When someone has been given much, much will be required in return. And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. See, those who know what Jesus commands and what he teaches, but won't live out their faith, will get the most severe punishment. But who might fall into that category? Well, I think the most obvious answer are those who, who call themselves Christians, but uh, they have a false sense of salvation. They have not truly put their faith in Jesus as evidenced by the lack of action in their lives, by the lack of lordship in their lives. Just like me standing next to the chair... Like me standing next to the chair and talking about how great the chair is. I can talk about the chair, but until I actually place my faith in the chair, I ain't doing nothing. We have many, many Christians nowadays who do the same thing. They will receive the strictest punishment. I also think this applies to people who claim to be Christian for a while, but then say that they lost their salvation or they're they're turning away from their faith or deconstructing their faith. There's lots of different terms for it now, but people who have turned away from the church. It could also apply to those people who grew up in the church, never made a profession of faith, and and they just, they live their lives as as lost people. When we see those, those two groups, it says the servant knows what the master wants. They know what the master wants, but they are not prepared these people grew up in the church. They heard the word. They heard the gospel. They heard the truth and the teachings of Jesus, but they do not apply it in their lives. Those people will receive the strictest punishment. I pray, I hope, I pray that is none of you in this room. I can't know that for sure, but I hope and I pray that there's none of you in this room. So if we put those people on this side over here, okay, these are the people who know what God expects, but choose not to do that on the complete opposite end of the spectrum, way over here in the other corner, we have people who die without ever being exposed to the gospel. They have never heard the name of Jesus. These people, they never got to know what it is that the master wants. Now, we read in Revelation that there is a general revelation. God does reveal himself to all people in some ways. But without that special revelation, the specific revelation, without hearing the gospel, those folks cannot be saved unfortunately those people will still die and go to hell but it will just be hell for them as if just hell is is some lighter it's still hell but think back to what Jesus said when Jesus returns and he finds the servant the unfaithful servant they will be cut up and then sent to hell so there's more than just hell for those people then we have the lost on the other side that have never had the opportunity to hear the name of Jesus. Those people are still lost and will die and go to hell. That is why we as Christians have the responsibility to take the gospel all over the world. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He says, go and make disciples of all nations. So if we go and we share the gospel with lost, then there will prayerfully be less people who will be in hell. That's why we do missions. That's why we have the International Mission Board, who is sending missionaries to uh, unreached people groups. So there's a big definition for unreached people groups, but basically it's people who have never had an opportunity to hear the gospel. So we, we send missionaries to these unreached people groups with the hopes that they will be saved too. So, We have the people on this extreme side over here who have heard the gospel and they know what the Bible teaches, but they refuse to believe. We have people on the opposite end of the spectrum who have never heard the gospel and never had an opportunity to believe. There are tons of different places in the middle along the way in in that spectrum. Tons of other places that you could be. So Jesus summarizes it with this. He says, when someone has been given much, much will be required in return. Uh, And when someone has been entrusted with much, even more will be required. So basically, what this is saying, the more access you have to the gospel, the greater access you have to the word of God, the more obedience you have, or the more responsibility you have to obedience. In the American church nowadays, we have more access to the Bible than any culture in history. We can pull up the Bible on our phones and access it anytime we want to. We can access... Tons of different translations. We, we can go online and listen to really good preachers. We can go and, and we can buy all sorts of really good resources and, and really good studies to help us understand the Word more. We have more access to the Word of God now than any culture in history. And unfortunately, I fear that there is a general apathy towards the Word of God. Amen. Jesus says, To whom much has been given, much will be expected. It's not much more than we could ask for, except for one more thing. And that's salvation. There is nothing greater than salvation. God's Word is amazing. God's Word is awesome. But salvation is even better than that. Amen. So for those of you in this room who are saved, mm, yeah, absolutely, praise the Lord. But you have been given much. You have been given great graces by our God so much will be expected in return. For those of us who are saved, we have the responsibility to share the news of our Savior with the entire world. Obviously, you can't do that all by yourself. It's one of the reasons that we have church membership and one of the reasons that churches work together and cooperate together to share the gospel throughout the world. So, our application. Like I said, this is part two of this sermon or the sermon series, I guess, part two, Um, be prepared or uh, keep your lamps burning, part two, you might notice that these are the same three application points that we had next week, or last week, probably the same three next week. Uh, So our no is to know Jesus's return is imminent. We're told several times in scripture that Jesus will return. He is coming back. And when he does, he's coming back in power as the perfect eternal king, not the sacrificial lamb, Not the suffering servant like the first time. When he returns, he's going to be the victorious king of all eternity. He will completely defeat his enemy and cast him into hell for all eternity, along with those who have not accepted his salvation. When he returns, those who are saved will be brought into the new heaven and new earth to reign with him forever over creation. Now, just as much as we are told that Jesus is coming back, we're also told we don't know when He's coming back. We don't know when that's going to be. However, when we look at Scripture, we see many warning signs, different things that are going to precede His return. And it says, when you see these things happening, pay attention because my return is soon. If you've been paying attention, whew, it sure seems like Jesus is coming back very soon. We'll read more about that next week. Uh, Our B application is to be ready. So first, to be ready means you are saved. You have to be saved to be ready. If you're not saved, then you will be cast into hell with the devil and his armies. You will be cast into hell to pay for the penalty of your sins. But Jesus has already paid that penalty for you. You just have to accept his free gift. He's already died in your place. You just have to place your faith in him, in his sacrifice for your salvation. Then you will be saved from your sin guilt. You'll be freed from its power over your life now. And when he returns, you will reign with him forever. We also need to be ready by making sure that we're not being distracted like the unfaithful servant in verse 45. If we are saved, we cannot allow those things to distract us from our mission. And third, we need to be ready. The third way that we be ready is our third application point is to do, that's make disciples. The obedient servant that Jesus teach about in this passage, that's what we need to do. After his resurrection, right before Jesus ascended into heaven, he told his disciples to go and make more disciples. That's why our vision here at Victory Baptist Church is making disciples through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our unexpected king, the servant who died so that we can live, is going to return. And those who are living obediently to his commands will be rewarded and will will be given authority over all creation. Now, last week, I asked this question. If Jesus came back before you left this building this morning, if Jesus came back in the next 10 minutes, then who is somebody who you should have shared the gospel with? And you lost that opportunity because Jesus came back. Who is somebody that you should have shared the gospel with? Then I said that your homework this week, if Jesus doesn't come back first, is to go and share the gospel with that person. This week, if you didn't do your homework, you get an extension. Jesus has given you an extension. So go and do that homework. Or maybe you did. You did that homework. You went out and you shared the gospel with that person. You talked about Jesus and you shared His salvation with them. You shared about His salvation with them. And that person is not saved still. That person has not accepted Jesus as their Savior. Well, you started your homework assignment, but it's incomplete. Jesus has given you an extension. Or maybe, maybe you did your homework and praise God that person got saved. Well, if they did, go find somebody else to share the gospel with. Because our job is not over. Our job is not done until Jesus returns. So our application again, know that Jesus' return is imminent. Be ready and make disciples. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for the salvation that you give to us. We thank you that you sent your son, Jesus, to die for our sins. Lord, I pray for those of us in this room who do not know you as Savior. I pray, God, that you will, you will press on their hearts, that you will bring them to a point of surrender and salvation. Lord, for those of us in this room who do know you, God, I pray that you will help us to be that obedient and faithful servant. Help us to go out and do the job that you've given us to do. Share your love with others. You've given us such a great and wonderful love. I just pray, God, that you will give us the the opportunity to go out and share it with others and the obedience to go out and follow along with that. God, give us the, the importance. Help us to understand the importance and the urgency of sharing the gospel. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So we've come to our point of response. You can respond right where you're seated. You can come to the front and pray at the cross. You can come and pray with me. But please do not ignore the calling of the Holy Spirit this morning. Thank you again for listening to this week's message. If you would like to know more information about our church, please visit victorybaptisthopemills.com or facebook.com slash mills. I would also like to ask that you rate and review this podcast. And if you found this sermon helpful, please share it.